testimony My name is Dr. Iglesias and we want to welcome you to our brand new show and it's called Deep in Your Business. I would be your host along with Alvaro Salim Noriega. De Hoyos. How do you like that name? And Michael Casanova. Hello, hello, hello. So this is going to be an interesting podcast, man. We're going to be able to interview individuals, go behind the veil, zoom into areas of their lives. And we're not talking about what we see, you know, at least what you see, like if it's a church setting, you see a pastor or if they're in their work environment, you get to see the mask on. But we get to see behind the veil when they take off the mask. So we're going to be able to interview individuals and really find out what's really going on. Well, and we, we're going to start today with ourselves. Oh, so, yeah. So people actually get to know what's the depth of our business. So we had to create a podcast to actually make my talk. So I'm very excited about that because he doesn't talk uh -oh. that much. So we will be able to hear him quite a lot today. Time to pick on me, right? That's yes, all right. Sir. Hey, but listen, um, it's surreal. It's really surreal to be in a, in a podcast. You know, being being the viewer of many podcasts and being able to be a part of one is like, yes, blows your mind. And I'm just excited to do it, man. You know, it's going to put obviously just like you made the point, like, yo, I'm into that person that's kind of keep to myself, not talking much. It's going to put me in an uncomfortable spot. And that's what it needs to do. And, so then, I can talk. and then the perspectives are so different, you yes. know, because we as people are so different. Yeah. So, um, for, for example, from my perspective, I'm very artistic. I'm very, ex, you know, extroverted. And uh, you are very quiet. Yeah. And then, you know, whatever topic or whatever person we are actually talking to, just having those percep those perceptions or those perspectives, though, it's going to be super interesting. I'm very excited about that. So there's two things that you mentioned that I really like. The first one is that before we can get in anybody's business... We first got to get in our business. So today we're going to have to really dig in deep into our closet, take off some, you know, skeletons mm. and open up. But, you know, the Bible says that and it's clear, confess your faults to one another and pray that you may be healed. There's something about really digging into that deep dark past, which nobody likes to go to <laughs> and really talk about that. And not only that, what you're presently going to. Like going back and like I said, you see a pastor or a minister or just an everyday, you know, person at work. You see the smile, but what's behind the smile? How are their finances? How is their relationship with their wives? And I think that's why these interviews are going to be so key. Two things are going to happen. I believe that the individual that we're interviewing, they're going to receive deliverance. They're going to receive healing. And the listeners are going to be encouraged and say, wow. I didn't know that that person's going through X, Y, and Z, and this is their solution, and this can be my solution too, which is Jesus. Well, the power of of testimony is huge. Yes, and uh, that's that's a practice that in church, most churches don't use that anymore. They used to. Well, like they used to. They yeah. used to say, "Okay, if anybody has testimonies, yes. like come over and yes. tell us about it." And then when you listen to those testimonies, what you know is like, all right. I'm going through this, so I'm not I'm not the only one. Because you always yeah. think that what you're going through, you're the only one who 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 is. Right. And then when you hear somebody else going through the same, it encourages you and it makes you think differently, though. So just talking about real life, 
is yeah. really hard, especially with Christians. Yes. Because there's always this, uh, oh, you're a Christian. So if you're not perfect, then how come you're a Christian? Mm -hmm. And it's like, have you read the Bible, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> King who, David. Oh, who was goodness. perfect there? Nobody. Right, yeah. So, yeah. So if you are a Christian and you say I'm a Christian, everybody understands this standard yeah. of Jesus. Right. Okay. But we don't get to be perfect right away. Right. So nobody really gives you a break into, oh, I'm not perfect because the standard is Jesus. Right. But the power of testimony is, hey, we go through struggles and then we, we start understanding, oh, wow, we're not perfect. But in the midst of our imperfections, in the midst of our struggles or in the midst of our tribulations, God shows up and that makes me stronger. That makes me better. That makes me give my life a little more. And that makes me more like Jesus. And I think that's the, that's what's really interesting about the whole thing. But he never said, be perfect for I am perfect. He says, be holy for I am holy. So he perfects areas of our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our failures. We're going to talk about our current struggles, but in that God is with us. The Bible says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But you're absolutely right. That perfection. You look at a leader and that's why a lot of leaders fall. Look at Bob Coy. I mean, all these things that were happening behind the veil, you know, and it's, it's life, you know, and it's not like he just committed adultery and, you know, no, there was things that were going on in his life. The leadership were aware of it. They were working with him until... You know, he fell off the horse. So I think the importance, man, in Christianity or being a born again believer is just being transparent. And that's one thing about Mike. He's very, very transparent. He's been like that from the beginning of ministry. And man, we've been ministering for over 10 years now. Thanks, right? God. So speaking of transparency, who are we poking up first here? Um, <laughs> who, who's getting stabbed first? Who's getting, who's telling all first? So... I think that because Alvaro has a unique situation and we're starting this podcast and his struggle is like here right now in front of your face. So I think we should start poking on him today. Well, like okay. the first thing before we get to my, my, like today. Yes. Like, where did I come from? You know, like, uh, how did I become a Christian? Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a home where. My mom never went to church. My dad never went to church. There was no God mentioned in my house. And uh, I'm from Colombia. And Colombia is a very Catholic country. So all I knew about God was people going like, oh, this and that and this and that. And I'm like, what is that? So uh, when I used to go to school, they, they used to make us go to church like once or twice a week. And then when everybody was doing all of that. Did they touch their nose too? Well, oh, was... you know, they would be like this. You okay, know? okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and I didn't know all those rituals and all those things. So I would ask my friends like, hey, like, how do you know that dude? And they're like, oh, you got to go to um, like Dominical school or something like that. That's what they used to call it. And I'm like, so you have to go to school to learn all that stuff? Like, that's super weird, dude. And I remember that I would go to church because I could see the girls. Okay. And then... How old were you? 
like seven. Seven. Wow. So I could see the girls and we we're yeah. like, oh man, like, you know, the girls are I was there. thinking of Legos at seven. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> I was thinking of girls. But, but in, in school, we were right. always like interacting with girls and it wasn't yeah. about like being my girlfriend or anything oh, okay, like that. Okay, it was okay. just like, hey, we're a group of friends and, Got you. you know, we can. Got it. So, yeah, like I was, I was in church and I, w- I could see all of my friends and girls and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But I never understood anything of what the, of what the father was saying. Because all I could hear was like, and everybody would stand up and do all this stuff. I never understood anything. And I think they used to do it in Latin. Okay. So they used to say a bunch of stuff in Latin and we, nobody spoke Latin. So... It was super weird. Like the whole God thing for me was always super weird. And then the the reason why I became a Christian is my mom and my dad split up when I was like 12 years old. Okay. And my dad was my mom's God. Mm. Like she loved my dad like wow. nothing else in the world. So when they break up, my mom, uh, she meets Jesus and she has a super huge transformation. It was a 180. And uh, I was 12 years old. And by the time I'm 14, my mom is inviting us to church and all this stuff. And I say yes at the time that I'm 14. So I go to church and she's going to a Christian church. So I get in and everybody's clapping and dancing and oh, hallelujah and this and that. And I was just looking at everybody because that doesn't happen in Catholic church. Of course, right. So I was just like, yo, these people is crazy, bro. (laughs) And then I look at my mom and I'm like, oh, she's one of them. Like, Mm. this is even crazier. Mm. They do all of that. They sit down and then the guy starts talking and I understand what he's saying. Mm. And then he starts explaining it. And I'm like, oh, dude, like this is the first time that I actually Mm. understand this. So in the middle of the of the service, I'm like, Mm. and then I ask a question and then the guy's like, "Okay, you know. Second question. <laughs> that is and he, funny. And he goes, okay, he answers me. Third one. And he's like, <laughs> yo, this is this doesn't work like that. Right, right. Hey, can you get him a piece of paper and so he can write down? You write all the questions you have, and at the end, I'll explain it to you. Got it. So I was just like, oh, this is awesome. So I wrote down a bunch of stuff. The guy actually answers to me at the end. And what I understood was, if you do this prayer with a lot of faith, you'll go to heaven. Right. So I was just like, this is amazing. Like I haven't, all I have to do is like believe a lot. Okay. I'm going to believe a lot. And I did the prayer and oh, well, I'm going to heaven. This is awesome. Uh, I walk out of the, I walk out of the, 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 the room and I go back to my regular life because right. I didn't understand anything. So, you know, were you convinced at that moment that you were going to heaven after doing that prayer? Yeah, because that's, okay. that's what I understood. Right. What I understood is, Hey, if you do this prayer with a right. lot of faith, you're going to go to heaven. Because the whole point is like, hey, do you know where you're going if you die right now? And right. it's like, oh, no, I don't. Oh, you don't want to go to hell. So, you know, do this prayer so you go to heaven. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'll do it. And if I die, I'm going to heaven. So How was your was wife, your life after that? The same. I'm like. I'm so like, nothing changed. I went back. I'm 14 wow. years old. Wow. I'm, I'm trying to have sex. I'm a virgin at the time. Yeah. So I'm trying to have sex with girls and stuff. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's go back to it. You know, and if I right. die, I go to heaven because I did the right. prayer. Right. So, you know, my mom keeps inviting me to church and I go, but I never had a drastic change. I never had a drastic anything. By the time I'm like probably 
17, I remember I went to a Congress and uh, it was in, it was in Bogota, which is the capital city of Colombia. And Bogota at the time was very cold. And I remember it was, it was a Congress where there was probably like 500 people and there was some, something came down and it felt warm from the waist up and I could feel cold from the waist down. So that was my first experience with the presence of God. Like I felt that I was like, like something's weird though. Mm. Like I feel warm from here up and I feel the cold from here down. And that was like my first experience, but still I was just like, yeah, you know, and then, you know, I grew up and then I had a girlfriend and I was having sex and it was like all good because I did the prayer. Right. And, um, 16 years passed by. And by the time I'm like 33, uh, 30, 33, something like that. I have an experience with, with God. And I feel that he spoke to me mm. super, super straight up. And at the time I'm living with my girlfriend, we're living together, not married. And, uh, I just moved in with her mm. a month in and I go to church and I felt that God spoke to me. Like the guy that was preaching, he had cowboy boots like you. And uh, he was from Texas. I had nothing in common with the guy. He was the total opposite of me. Oh, yeah. And he was kind of like a jerk. Mm. And I needed that shaking. Right. I needed like a straight word because for 16 years, I've been going to church on and off. So I knew the word. Right. I knew everything, but I was never in mm. it. Like I never really gave my life and I never changed and I never nothing. So right. I was a hypocrite. I would right. go to church to get blessings and and to get the verses on the Bible where it says, hey, if you do this, you get this. You know, I was doing transactions with God all the time. And whenever I felt too dirty, I would go to church to kind of clean myself up and then gotcha. go back to go back to get dirty again. So that process went on for like 16 years. Mm. At the time that I had that experience, I feel that God said, I want to bless you, but you're in sin. Mm. And me and sin don't go together. Mm. That's what God said. Right. And I translated that into, hey, baby, we cannot have sex anymore. So, because we're in sin. Right. And God told me. And she's like, what God? What are you talking? You never talked about God. Like, what do you mean he talked to you? Did he call you on your cell phone? Like, what is going on? So for five days, we're fighting and crying and mm. this and that. And five days later, I end up having sex again. So I go... I go to the bathroom and I say to God, hey, I can't do this thing, man. Like, she's right there. She's naked. She's, like, warm. Like, I, I just can't, dude. I, I, yeah. I, I can't do it. So this is not going to work. Mm. And I remember when I said that, I mm. felt a voice in my head that said, oh, you're ready. Mm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you, I can't do this. Like, I cannot not sin right you know <laughs> i cannot sin like right i'm gonna sin and he's like yeah you're ready and i'm like this is weird yeah because you're not gonna change mm. i'm gonna change you mm. so i said okay so what do you want me to do and the voice said marry mm. marry her and i was like wow okay so for me marrying somebody was hey let's go to the court and 
right. you know, let's get married. Let's sign the paper and we're good. So I can get this guilt out of my, 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 my being. So I, I went out of the, the bathroom and I said to her, Hey babe, you want to get married? She's like, no, mm. you have to give me a ring and you have to talk to my family. I'm like, Oh, so you like that old school stuff. All right, cool. We'll do it. Don't worry about it. And then a bunch of stuff started happening that it was between God and me. And, uh, and God became very, very real, very, very real at that time. So um, I had a bunch of experiences that made me give my my life to him. Mm. And that's when, when everything really changed. Amen. You know, I hear a lot in church. Well, you know, you hear from pastors all the time. Oh, 12 people got saved. 50 people got saved. You really don't know if they got saved. Nope. You're a perfect example. A lot of people confess with their mouths, but they really don't believe in their heart. I believe the number one reason why people go to hell is because they don't know how to get to heaven. They don't know that God is looking to have an encounter with them, a personal encounter. And rather than just reading the book as a book of stories, you read the book, the Bible, as an intimate letter written from God. So that's that's powerful. But, but look, I, I experienced this. I experienced, I felt set up. Hmm. I felt set up. I felt, uh, you know, the gospel has turned into do a prayer to go to heaven. Right. And if you read the Bible, that's not in the Bible at all. Right. There's no do this prayer so so you go to heaven. There is, hey, follow me. Hey, give me your life. Hey, leave everything. Hey, yeah. love me more than mom, dad, and, and family and whatever. Yeah. Like when you read that, but the like it changes your perception, right. but nobody explains that to you. They get you. Uh, it's it's like a marketing trick. Right. It's like a marketing trick, which is which is yeah. hey. Hey, you want to click this? Uh, and if you give me your information, then I'll give you this ebook. You know, right. like that's how I felt. Right. Because probably like a two, you know, like a year and a half, two years later after what I said, I I met you, mm. and then we're living in the same building. I have this dog, and then you used to like. I lived in a tenth floor, so I had to bring my dog. 10 floors down in order to walk him out. So while my dog was in the elevator, you will, you would be like, Oh, the dog and he's awesome. And this and that, and that happened for like a year. Mm. And then a year later, you're like, Oh, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, you <laughs> suck, dude. Like you've been seeing me for a year. And now you tell me you're a pastor. You yeah. totally suck. <laughs> so in that year, I've been trying to go to church and do all this stuff. And then my girlfriend, mm -hmm. Um, she ended up asking me, Hey, I want to go and this and that. So we ended up going to a mega church okay, because she needed milk, but I needed meat mm. and, uh, I was doing it for her. Gotcha. So she could actually get to know God and, um, our needs were totally different. So I'm talking to you in the elevator. Oh, I'm a pastor and this and that. I'm like, you suck, dude. Why didn't you say anything before? Uh, no, yeah, you know, come to my church and this and that. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'll show up. And then there was no church. It's like, you know, 
Like <laughs> you came out with two speakers on a on a freaking piece of grass in this sucky neighborhood. And I am like, yo, what is this? Like this guy is freaking crazy, dude. Like this is one of those guys that pull out two speakers and go, oh, you're going to go to hell and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, oh, this guy set me up, bro. Like this sucks. So I'm there and I'm like, oh, they're going to steal my rims. You know? <laughs> You know, this neighborhood sucks and they're going to steal the rims in my car. And why did I, why did it come here? And this is weird. At that time, I'm reading the Bible and I, and I understand who Jesus is at that moment. And um, I'm reading the book of Acts. Mm. So, you know, I get there, you have the two speakers and then you guys are doing like hot dogs. And then we're eating hot dogs with like drug dealers and prostitutes and like, um, <laughs> like bombs from the street and yeah. like i'm like what is this <laughs> it's bro? church yeah. like this is crazy yeah and then the grass where we were standing was full of like needles where people had shot you know like drugs with yeah and um and there's condoms in the thing and i'm like this is crazy dude so i eat the hot dog with the soda and i'm like all right cool at least i had a hot dog so it's all good and then you start the service and then you start preaching and I feel this thing, bro. Mm. Like this thing came down. So it connects to what I was saying before. Like right. it didn't, it didn't come down the same way, but I, I had recognized it because I felt it before. Right. But it was way stronger in that place. So the presence of God came when you were preaching. And I was just like blown away because that's what I'm reading the book of Acts. And I have never felt that in a mega church ever Man. in the 16 years that I've been going to church. I never felt that. I want to rewind for a moment because I remember talking to you in the gym and in the gym, you're like, man, I go to this mega church and I play the drums and I do choreography and on and And I was hearing you say bad words and everything. When you were done, I go, you're not saved. <laughs> no, I no, remember. No. No. no, no, tell me. This is, this is what you said. Wait, you what did said, I say? You said. It's a lot harsher, right? <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. It actually isn't. Okay, okay. No, it was like, oh, do you consider yourself a Christian? And I'm like, yeah. And you go like, why? And I'm like, because I did the prayer. <laughs> you know, like, right. like that, that was the deal they offered yeah. me and I took it and I right. did it. Right. I did right. my part. So, right. so he has to come up with his. And you're like, no, you're, I don't think you are. Right. And I said, why not? I did the prayer, bro. <laughs> that probably kept you up on night. No, no. You, you said like, I don't think you are. And I'm right. like, why not? And then you said, because you speak like the world, you act like the world, you dress like the world, everything of you is of the world. So what is the difference between you and a mm. Christian? And I was like, yo, <laughs> you totally yeah. suck now. <laughs> like, I thought you were cool, but yeah, yeah. you're not. And for two days, that was bouncing in my head, like ding, 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 like a pinball machine. Yeah, right. And uh, man, my my nose is scratching like crazy. So um, that's that, I want to mention. That's why I don't ask people when I meet them, "Are you Christian?" I ask them, "Are you born again?" And I always take them to John chapter three, where Nicodemus had this conversation with Jesus at night, because nowadays. Everybody's a Christian. You meet a, a, a stripper literally coming out of a strip club and you ask her, hey, are you Christian? She'll probably tell you, yeah. The drug dealers, yeah, they'll tell you, yeah. 
And uh, that's why I tell him, are you born again? I, I want to say a quick story. There was this uh, drug dealer that I preached to. He was on the other side of a car. And I go, um, are you born again? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His name is Chaito. And I go, how do you feel when you sell drugs and you have all these people that are dying? <laughs> and just like that, these people that are dying, you're causing mothers to be prostitutes and, and children that are overdosing. Man, he was so mad. Now, mind me, that's why I was preaching to him on the other side of the car. He got upset, but eventually he repented and he gave his life to Jesus. So I like to... When I speak to someone, I like to ask them, are you born again? Did you have an experience where you died to yourself? And I'm glad that you're explaining this in detail for the average listener will listen and be like, man, am I born again? Well, because I felt, like I said before, I felt set up. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when you said that, then what, what went in my head was, so why did those people told me to, to what, why did they tell me to just do this prayer if that was not the deal? Right. Like, this is a, like. This was not what they told me. Right. And I felt upset like crazy. Mm. But I'm reading the Bible. I'm in this, I'm in the middle of the process. And two days later, I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I asked you, I remember, I don't, I don't remember if I, if I saw you in a Bible study or in the elevator, but I said, Hey, so how do you do this thing? Yeah. So what's the deal? And then, and then you were like, you know, come to the church on Sunday and blah, blah, blah. So I go to the church. I have, another experience and then you mentioned we have bible studies on wednesday so come to the bible study i go to the bible study and i remember you were talking about strongmen and you mentioned about like we went through probably like four or five different spirits mm -hmm. that are the strongmen and then you said you know in order to get a strongman out of the house you have to tie him up right and then um And then when you tie them up, you can actually plunder their house and, and get them out of the house. That's what the scripture says. Yes. So you explain, you know, that is referring to a strong man. That is a spirit that is either inside of you or influences you. And the way to take him out is that you bind them. And whatever you bind in heaven, you bind on earth. And whatever you release on heaven, you will release on earth. Right. So you explain those, uh, those spirits. And then when I went on Sunday back to the to the church, which was a piece of grass with a bunch of uh, instruments and stuff on top. Uh, I remember that you said something like, in the Bible study, you said, if you, if God is going to move, these spirits come to distract people. Right. So I remember I was sitting down and then you said something like, oh, God wants to heal people. Like, come, come to the front if you want to be healed and blah, blah, blah. And then I looked to the corner and somebody was coming. And for some reason, I'm like, oh, that's the Antichrist spirit. <laughs> wow. For some reason. Right. And then you said, oh, if you recognize it, then just pray because, you know, they're going to distract the whole thing. And yeah. So I'm like, Antichrist spirit. Oh, oh, dude. Oh, hey, God, like <laughs> help people to not get distracted and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then I looked to the other corner and I go, what was the other spirit? It was... It was like three of them and they right. were like in a triangle. Mm. So I get to see them. And I remember Jabez was like with one of them, like praying for them. Mm. Probably Lino was with the other one. And then someone else was with the other one. So I started praying and I, I, I was seeing mm. and experiencing what we were talking about Amen. in the Bible study. Amen. So 
That's why I said it was like the book of Acts because I was reading the book of Acts and then it would be like, oh, they met together, they ate, they ate together and they started doing all these things that were in the spirit. So I'm experiencing that in a piece of grass right. in the street with two speakers and a bunch of crazy people. And I never experienced, understood, or even saw that in whatever mega churches I went through right. for 16 years. Mm. So that was absolutely crazy for me. And that made me radically change my approach to what the church is mm. and what Christianity is. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. So there's some key things that you said. <clears throat> And I kind of want to dig in a little bit on that is um, the place that where we were at was Wynwood. So Wynwood was a drug infested place. Now it's the Miami Design District. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it funny, though? That's the funniest thing. My grandfather bought the house on 2nd and 34 where we lived. He bought the house for less than 10 grand, like $10,000. That was how many years ago? That was 1967. Wow. And now it's in the millions, you wow. know, and it, everything is just man, it's so crazy now. But that place was uh, there was a lot of people that practice witchcraft. That's why you got to see that. Um, a lot of uh, Hispanic people will come there. Uh, heroin addicts, uh, uh, people that would be on crack and, and drug addicts, drug dealers will go. Man, but as soon as the worship music started, it was church. You know, you saw just the, the, the humility in them. The, the, they would worship. And I did this for many, many, many years. And I wanted, you know, um, people to just really understand the gospel. And in the beginning, I was like, God, I just I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see your glory. I want to see your power. And I saw the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. So when I had invited you, you got to experience really the glory of and, God. And you may, well, yeah. And then you mentioned something there that is really important, the church. Yeah. Because what I understood being there was that the church is not the building. Right. The church is the people. Amen. And that's why the presence of God will fall on that place every single weekend. Amen. Because the church is not the building where you have screens and yeah. lights and AC or anything like that. We had none of that. Yeah. But we had God. Yeah. And then... uh. I would probably, I, I felt the presence of God in mega churches yeah. when there was praise and worship. Mm. But when the word came, mm. that presence was gone. Mm. And, and I experienced that a lot. Mm. Uh, thinking, like going back, when I, when I started experiencing everything in Wynwood, Yes. Going back, I would be like, oh, so this is what I felt when there was praise and worship, when we were like, yeah. you know, lifting our hands and singing and blah, blah, blah. But when they were preached, like, I never felt <sighs> that that presence, that power, that glory that you were talking about. Amen. And remember, the people who came transparent. They literally came with their crack in their hands, you know, their, their, their bottles in their hand. If they were drinking, some of them... Uh, with their shotguns, you know, they came like transparent. I remember, I remember people like, like bleeding from here yeah. because they just shot, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. So they're they're eating the hot dog and there's blood dripping yeah. out of their arm. Yeah, 
and there was mm-hmm. like like I said before, there was condoms you use condoms in the grass. Yeah. Like somebody had sex there at nice. night, whatever. And I remember I started playing the drums, so we had to we had to roll um, a little um, carpet right. to put yeah. the drums on. So when yeah. we would roll the the yeah. carpet, you would yeah. see the needles, yep. you would see the condoms, you would mm-hmm. see the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, man, in the middle of this filth, mm-hmm. God shows up and He mm-hmm. just goes, "Yo, I'm gonna show you how much yeah. I really love yeah. you guys." So, um, I mean, I get you know that kind of goes into my testimony, but. I mean, basically, um, I was, you know, just got saved at a mega church and just kind of felt like, you know, I was going through the motions of the mega church. Of course, I gave my life to Christ and I was, I submitted myself four days a week to the church and I was in it and this is great. Um, whatever I can get my hands on, I was doing and I was involved, involved, involved. And then I just got to the point where I just burned out, really. You know, I kind of put myself, um, I kind of set expectations um, on myself um, that really shouldn't have been ever been set, you know, like, well, if I don't do this much, then I'm not worthy to be his servant or to know God. So it was like very work-based, my, but my heart was genuine. Um, but you know, I got to the point where I burned myself out and I needed to know, like, um, there's gotta be more than this, you know, like showing up at church, you know, four days a week and like, what I read in the Bible is not what I'm doing. Like it wasn't matching what it wasn't reading. matching yeah, up what I'm reading. That's, that's what and I experienced like, as well. There's something more. There's something more. Something more. So, you know, um, long story short, we we got in. Um, I think it was uh, my wife's uh, college roommate was friends with someone down here, um, and we happened to connect with them. Oh, they went to Calvary too. Okay, cool. So let's all to get together do a Bible study. Cool. Awesome. Very innocent, you know, Bible study, whatever. And then the husband happened to do Christian rap. So that was very intriguing to me because my background was like heavy rap. Like I just had to have every rap I had ever seen. So you came from that? Well, just just like music enthusiast, you know, I was like very involved with it. Like, I, yo, I just, I had a secular rap studio when I was, before I came to Christ and stuff like that. And we were just doing, you know, just playing around really. But, you know, I was like, when I heard that, because when I gave my life to Christ, I, I, associated that with that was my past life i don't deal with rap anymore i don't deal with any kind of secular music anymore so therefore um you know i started listening to more alternative rock christian rock and things like that thinking like the rap was the bad thing it was the negative not you know this is not no longer me this is who i am now so let me just take that route so the route for me was yeah can i can i say something Uh interject a lot of people don't know that rap music, it's a language. It's what these kids listen to. So aside from knowing Spanish and English, I know rap. But go ahead. I wanted to mention that. So that's that's key, man. I wanted to mention Yeah, that. so definitely I couldn't associate the two like I didn't understand. At a time when I first gave my life to Christ, there wasn't any major Christian rap artists. And the only one that started coming on the scene was Lecrae. So, um, you know, long story short, um, he was doing Christian rap. And it intrigued me. I was like, okay, so what are you doing? Bring me, let me see your studio. Because I had a studio, you know, let me see, see the setup and hang out. Eventually, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this concert, da-da-da. I got a group. Okay, cool. So I go to that group, and then through that, um, I just kind of hopping around from church to church with them, just more of a groupie type of thing, not really <laughs> doing anything, just groupie right. hanging out, you know? And then 
Um, one in the, the person in that group was Javis. So I ended up being really close with Javis. And then, um, you know, through that process, um, he happened to run into a concert that was with that Sergio was, was performing as well. Okay. Um, and then he kind of told me, yo, this dude, man, you gotta, you gotta listen to this dude. You gotta go with me to this Bible study. And that happened to be the same Bible study that, you know, you were part of. Oh, uh, Marina so, Del Mar. so at that time is when, oh, dude, yeah. I, I yeah. never knew I think knew I was that. maybe a week or two before you started wow, coming. Literally dude, a week or two. That's so yeah. crazy. I never yeah. knew that, bro. Yeah, a week or two before you started coming to that Bible study. And then, um, you know, we were just, you know, when, when I told Pam, of course, she's, this is crazy. <laughs> and I always tell people like, you know, I'm a Broward kid. Right. You know, those are not familiar with Florida and Broward. Like Miami is such a um, such a, uh, a destination for people around the country. Right. Well, for us being the next door neighbor to Miami, Miami is very foreign. Like yeah. you don't go to Miami. Yeah. You just you stay in Broward. And then Miami, you did that once a year. If that mm. South Beach thing, hang out, walk. Okay, cool. I did it. And we're done. Go back to Broward. <laughs> that's that's, why that's our me, little safe haven. I didn't know that. That's why for me it was so weird because I would be like, man, they're so gringos. Like gringos uh, don't come to Miami. So, no, okay. so what's the deal? You know what I'm saying? Extremely uncomfortable. Like anytime you go into Miami, it's like, <laughs> it's oh, I got to go to Miami. Wow. Uh, so you're basing your whole life around traffic. Let me go early in the morning so I don't get <laughs> that's traffic. That's the first thing. The traffic <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> Every, horrible. Everything Funny. about it was like. <clears throat> no one goes to Miami. It's just, that's the thing. You just yeah. don't go to Miami. So, and hearing that the Bible studies in Miami, it didn't bother me because it was like northern Miami, so it wasn't that far deep in. And I was like, okay, you know, this is this is like, just innocent. Like, oh, Bible study, where let's go. And then, um, yeah, hearing some you know revolutionary things versus what I've heard or been taught within the mega church, um, you know, about this, you know. The mega church was just, uh, you know, uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. You okay. know, the, it, there wasn't the Holy Spirit. Ah, it was there, like but, that it, one. but it wasn't the, you know, let's experience him. It was like, right. oh, you can do that in the dark or, mm. or by yourself. We have a time if you want to <laughs> lay hands on people. There's a place in the back you could do that. It wasn't a, you know, um, this was, is what it is. Let's let's act upon it. But but let me let me ask you something because it's interesting. Out of what you said, mm -hmm. you you met Christ, but you had an experience, and then you had a change of life because you said, "Hey, that's my past life, and yeah. this is a new thing." Yeah. I never did that transition. I never understood that. I mm -hmm. never did. So even though I went to churches and stuff. I was never part of a church. I was never, uh, and 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 you said, oh, you play the drums and you dance and this that. I was, I played the drums when I was young, but you know, I, I like I wasn't into rap. I wasn't into death metal and like really hard rock and stuff like that. That my mom used to say, like, oh, that's the devil's music, and, mm. and she was right because yeah. you know we would we would listen to like demonic stuff right. like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was playing the drums with a band. And then I became a professional dancer. So by the time that I met you, I've been a professional dancer for like 10 years. Got it. And I was doing those things in the church, but I never felt, I never felt part of the church because mm. I was always like the outsider that was talented that they could use. Right. But it was never like, yo, God has to do this and that in your life and you have to give yourself to God. And then, no, it was kind of like, 
hey, you know, use your talents, come do it, and then, you know, let's see what God does. And nobody would say anything like, like strong, you know what I'm saying? And so, so you had that, that revelation of like, hey, this is gone, this is the new thing, but you were feeling that there was not enough. So you were hungry for more and there was not an because experience. Because I burnt myself out. Because I, I with dedicated church, with church with activities church, with church activities. Okay. So I, I literally submitted myself to every little oh Tuesday night there there's this and oh, okay that's that's the I think they called it um, discipleship classes whatever okay cool I'm in I'm in and I did that and then um, whatever wherever there was a part of every you know four days a week I was there. So you were super hungry and you weren't being fed what you were looking for. Right. So in other words, I was so consuming all of my time. And I was seeking after, um, yeah, a work-based relationship. I, okay. I needed to keep the busyness to feel um, that, that I was you, connected. That you, that you were doing something for God. That I was doing God. something for God. Okay. Like I needed that feeling. And, and it's a genuine feeling. It's, it's, it's good to have that feeling as, as a new believer to pursue and to have that and have that. But eventually as a new believer, you're going to get to the point where um, – you're going to burn out. Well, you know what's cool about that? That I hear, oh, you forgot your first love. Like Christians always talk about like, yeah. oh, your first love, right. your first love. Yeah. Because when you first love, you're on fire and this and that. I never felt any of that. Right. I never felt like, oh, I'm on fire for God. So I'm going to do a bunch of stuff for God. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no. So I have never felt that I lost my first love because my love for God has never been an emotional love like my love for god has been an experiential love which is what we're talking about so that's why that's why what you were saying was triggering that in my mind like you were looking for god but you were not getting enough because you were not experiencing him correct. at a level of the hunger that you had for him correct so i always felt like there's something more there's something more there's something more so you know going to that bible study yeah and hearing all these you know things about the spirit and, and finally like it clicking and then um you know then him coming out with the radical idea of you know going to a neighborhood i've never heard of and going to a a, a place that i you know primarily spanish-speaking i speak no spanish <laughs> i can understand That's a lot awesome. now but you know it's it's you know i'm literally the white guy coming into a neighborhood <laughs> not understanding anything That's but awesome. but but it was very intriguing and the fact of like yo I'm not going to manipulate the system. I'm not going to come in this um, with anything. I know that God is going to be here because I'm I'm out of the equation at this point. Like, I don't belong here. I don't. Yeah. This, this is, you know, like I said, people from Broward don't go here, especially having to go do ministry in a, in a neighborhood full of drugs. I, I didn't grow up around that. I grew up around knuckleheads in my, in my, in my neighborhood, but we didn't even have close to what they did. Like it was, it wasn't at that level. It wasn't gunplay. There wasn't, you know, there was a little bit of weed here or there, that type of thing. (laughs) Everybody played around with it, but there was never that level of when at absolutely not. So let me, let me ask you something like super straight up. Cause it's very Mm -hmm. interesting though. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I've, I've known you for all these years, but we never really talked about any of this. Yeah. And uh, what was, what was your first experience there that, that, fed that hunger you had um yeah i think the, the the culture shock you know was like going there him saying all the things that he said listen there's going to be a b and c and d 
And it, when you heard that, it was more like, I'm, I'm going to experience God. Like for all that time in church, you know, I was actively seeking him, seeking him, seeking him, but I didn't really get to feel him or experience the Bible come to life yet. Yeah. And I knew there was something more to it. Like this relationship's not just based upon works. It's not based upon, okay, let me, let me, let me just do all these things so I can, can gain his attention and gave his love and, 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 and okay, checking the list. Okay. There's a list of Christianity. I, I'm just checking the boxes. All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was genuine. I didn't feel like, let me do these things because I have to. Uh, like I was actively pursuing. No, but, but it. that's why I said you were hungry. I was and hungry. You, you were showing hungry. that hunger, but you I was were hungry. Not being but fed. I needed guidance in my hunger. Yeah. You know, I needed to understand where I, I. I just needed to know where I fit in in Christianity. Like you know the the gifts things. I never heard of that. I never heard like someone say you know you're a teacher. I remember him telling me in that Bible. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, what am I supposed like, to do with that? Like, you know, like, 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 I remember, I remember, like, like Sergio was like one day we're in church, and then he's like, "Oh, God wants to ordain you," and I'm like, "What is that, bro? <laughs> like, what does he want to bring to order? Like, I don't understand." Right. Yeah. yeah, you get up, and then Mike and Lino and this and that, you're gonna be ordained, and I'm like, "Whatever, bro. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is." And it's like, "Oh, you're gonna be a teacher, and you're gonna be a pastor, you're gonna be." A Okay, like, yeah, whatever. And uh, I didn't understand any of that stuff, you know, like all the offices of the of the ministries. And the, I'm like, what ministries? Because I've never been part of yeah. no church, no ministry, right. no nothing. And everything we did was in the streets. But I knew that I, I had a teacher, uh, a, the talent of a teacher, because I, I would, you know, I was a, I was an, a fitness instructor mm -hmm. at the time, probably for like 10, 12 years. So I was a teacher, you know, I was right. teaching dance. I was teaching, you know, um, fitness. So in the physical, I understood, you know, that I was a teacher. My dad was a teacher in, in the university and, and, and in, um, in high school as well. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I get the teaching thing. But I didn't understand in the spirit what that meant. And then reading in the Bible and then learning about, you know, teacher and a, an apostle and, and, and then the pastor and then uh, prophets, uh, the prophet and all these different things. It was like, oh, okay, so you are this and I am this and you are this. And it's like, oh, dude, like... <laughs> We can yeah. we can gel with this thing, even though we're so different <clears throat> and we're yeah. so because you know I I like I was super weird too, you know. Like I'm a dancer, you know. I I I dance half naked in front of like fifteen thousand people in a, in a, the American Airlines Arena when it used to be the American Airlines Arena. Right. So I come from this background that is like totally worldly and weird and whatever. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, this Holy God. And then, you know, like, Oh, this Holy man. And, and then my friends would be like, Oh, Mr. Holy. And I'm like, no, bro. Like, it's just, I didn't understand that I was changing so much. Right. Because that's what God said. God said, Oh, you're ready because I'm going to change. Yeah. And then all I experienced was, I'm going to read this Bible. I'm going to get who Jesus is. And as I did that, he changed 
So I never felt, oh, I have to stop cursing. Oh my God, I want to curse so bad, but I've got to bite my lip to not curse. Like I never felt that, bro. Right. Like out of 10 words that I would speak, seven were curses. Right. And then within two or three months, I would, like I stopped cursing all of a sudden. And I didn't even realize it. Right. Like my friends were telling me, like, no, you're different. And I'm like, no, I'm the same, bro. Like I'm the same person. Right. No, you're different. You're this, you're that. And then I remember like my girlfriend at the time, she was like, no, you've changed so much. Like I want what you have. And I'm like, you can have it. Like it's, this is free. It's called right. the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. you know, she went to the, to the church in the, in the piece of grass and then she experienced the same thing. And then we're all going there. We're all getting wrecked like, ah, you know, so. I, want, uh, I wanted to mention because I, I don't want to forget, Mike said something very key and you did too. Mike said that he came expecting. What happens now with the modern church, I like to call it the modern church now, with the beautiful lights and the fog and the smiles and, you know, and, and everyone greets you like, and you look, you walk in there. Imagine walking into a place like that. It's like paradise. Everybody got it all together, which they really don't. But, you know, when you do that week after week, it's like, okay, it's like going to a movie or going to a nice restaurant. When people were coming out to Wynwood, they knew that they were going to have an encounter with God. They knew that when they would step into that uh, little corner, that they, without a shadow of doubt, they were going to receive healing. They already came expecting. Unfortunately, that doesn't exist in the modern church anymore. Now they will put a clock, five Four, three, <laughs> two, action, let it rain. How's everyone? Hallelujah. You know, and you're like, whoa, whoa. But you know what? We can get very stagnant in a church like that. You stop growing, you know, you stop seeking after God. You're in many churches, you're not allowed to stand up and prophesy. You can't just get up and lay hands on the sick. You can't give a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Well, first of all, they're in a time, you know, limit. Either yeah. they're renting or whatever it is. So it's like, where's the Holy Spirit in this? When you went to Winwood, man, it was just, you knew you were going to have an encounter with God. And when we would worship and the presence of God would move, I'll step back. It wasn't like, okay, we did our five, uh, 30 minutes of worship. Stop. No. When the Holy Spirit will come, if he wants to move, people were there till two o'clock in the morning. I would literally go in my house, wrap up. And look out the window in the middle of the night, people were still speaking about God. <laughs> they all came expecting. I came to, to give, they came to receive, and the Holy Spirit will show up week after week. So what Mike said was key, real key. Now, you know, it's funny because I had a conversation with Mike now yeah. that I'm hearing his perspective for the first time. And I remember Mike sat with me, I think it was in where I was living in Marina de Mal, and I felt that he was going to throw in the towel. Mike, were you going to throw in the towel that day? Not at all. Not at all? <laughs> no, but you, I, I remember, I remember. I wanted to I know we what. Had, well, I remember we had the conversation before, though, but I remember, okay. like, you felt like I was going to throw in the towel. Yes. No, no, no. I was more like in a, um, am I just going to keep going through the cycle? Got it. Of, of the mega church. Okay. Or am I going to do something to put myself in the most uncomfortable situation right? and knowing that I'm not going to be in control of it. Amen. And 
let's just go. Yeah. So I remember because Mike's first time there, I got to see his face and he was freaked out. <laughs> he had like a frantic look. And I go, I don't think he's going to ever come back, <laughs> you know. And I just I remember seeing that, but I never heard his perspective. But I remember sitting down and having a conversation with him. I said, Mike, and I didn't know. I really didn't know uh, how deep, you know, he was into uh, the church and getting burnt out. And I said, you can go back and sit down in a mega church and get lost in that or you can be part of this ministry and you can allow God to use you, stretch you and use you in a mighty way. So that day I spoke to Mike thinking that I was never going to see him again, man, but he was faithfully there. And I see him with bags and picking up, you know, garbage. When I say garbage, we're talking about needles. You mentioned yeah. the condoms, <laughs> beer bottles. And, yeah. and how was Pam? How was your wife? How did she react? Like, I, we never had this conversation. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm crazy. Oh you're crazy. <laughs> I love it. Buddy's crazy. But, I love it. You know, you know. <laughs> I have an awesome wife. Yes. You know, even even then, you know, until now, just just like willing to to you know follow me. Yes. And yes. Um, you know, knowing that, like, if it was going to therefore connect me closer to god or experience something more yeah and and you know in god um she was she was down That's so beautiful. she was just like you know here we go you know like okay where's this where's this lead and um yeah it took us to um took us through an amazing journey you know it really has but let me ask you something like what was the first experience you had with god that like, what did you feel or what did God do in order for you to say, yo, this is different. Like, this is what I was looking for. Yeah. And so I grew up in an agnostic family. So, you know, um, you know, for those that don't know what that means, I mean, basically there's a God, I don't know who he is. I don't know. You know, there's someone out there, higher power, that type of thing. Um, so basically, you know, having that, um, but I always had respect for religion. Like I wasn't ever disrespectful for some for, for their beliefs. So I had people in front of my neighborhood and stuff like that that were um, that were respectful. That you know their family was Catholic or their family was Jehovah's Witness and their family was all these you know different religions and they were those people you know just respected you know okay cool that's what your thing you do your thing awesome so didn't really never really pursued any kind of religion or anything like that um, and. Then running into, um, then I meet me and my wife at the time, a girlfriend, uh, my wife now, and um, Pam. So meeting her, we were both, um, we weren't the savior at the time when we met each other. And um, I remember, you know, it was at a time where she was just having a prom. And I graduated the year, you know, before that. And so I ended up going to a prom with her. But then right after the prom, she was leaving out. Like she was ready to go to college. And um, it was up in Gainesville, which, you know, from from where we lived, Gainesville was like four hours, four and a half hours. So three months later, she's, you know, going up to Gainesville. And we're kind of like, okay, what do we do now? Like, what does that mean for us? And um, she had an encounter in college, which is usually the exact opposite for most people going off to college, <laughs> is not actually experiencing God, is actually just... Yeah, they get lost. They we're get lost, worldly, lost. crazy. So... 
um, you know, her growing up in, in, you know, Catholicism and um, having a reverence for God and having a, you know, a reverence um, for the Bible, but just, you know, no personal relationship yet. Um, her seeking God and, and, and finding him, you know, and think, you know, thank God that she ended up in a good place, you know, in, in a good church there. And um, I remember her telling me things about God, you know, and again, being respectful. Okay, that's cool. Um, she would send me verses. She would send me all these things. And it was just, again, it was like a respectful thing. Okay, that's cool. That's, you know, that's. That's your thing. That's your but thing. As, as long as you don't mess I don't with think me, it was, we're good. Right, yeah. but I don't think it was necessarily <laughs> for me. I didn't even feel that way. It was like, um, because I didn't understand like relationship. I didn't yeah. understand like what is okay. I hear a verse. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> like I hear a, you're <laughs> telling me you're giving me a verse, but like what do I do with it? Because I didn't understand what you did with it. Okay, the Bible's here, but what do you do with it? I remember parents you know would speak to me like uh unfortunately it was a lot of jehovah's witnesses that would speak to me and i always tell people that like, you know the christian experience for me was a jehovah's witness hmm. that's the only time i've ever heard people preach the bible to me wow and Look i was like that. you know it's awesome. like yeah right but i never i was never a fall like i'm gonna follow i knew they were the cult the weirdos like i knew <laughs> right. I, not to follow them but they were the yeah. only ones brave enough to to, to tell me a Bible verse. Yeah. You know? Right. Of course. And so hearing those things, but I, I'd hear the verse like, okay, what am I, how do, what do I do with it? I don't understand. So, you know, Pam was able to kind of break that down for me. Okay. This is the verse, but then let me show you who Jesus is and, and, and why we need Jesus and how do we get to God? And then hearing all those things, Again, it was respect. Okay, cool. I understand it. I'm, I'm starting to understand it. Cool, cool, cool. But I remember, um, you know, I was I was living with my mom's at the time, and uh, my mom was going through a divorce with our stepfather. So she ended up moving out um, out of the house temporarily, even though it was her house from the beginning. She ended up moving out of the house temporarily, and I remember he, um, I was living with my stepfather and and a dude that just got fresh out of prison. But he was like, he was on fire for God, like fresh out of prison. Oh, wow. And I remember him going, but he was like, he was the bowly figure. Like he was the 6'4", oh, wow. you know, two, 280, just pure muscle rip, like fresh out of prison built, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could tell like, you know, he was he was that guy in prison. Like you just don't mess with him. So I'm on one morning, Sunday morning, and he's like, yo, get up. I'm like, what's up? Hmm. You going to church? I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Like, yes, I am. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess we're going. You know. Okay, let's go. That was you know? not my plan. So I, got bullied, is. I, I got bullied into a relationship right. with God. Um, but you know, that was my yeah. that was my starting point of going um, to you know Calvary Chapel for Lauderdale. Okay. Um, and hearing um, and actually understanding what that preacher was saying. I think I've had experiences maybe once or twice going to a Catholic church and just like you explained the up and down, whatever. But it was, again, it was like what in the context of a Catholic church going to that experience, that was my experience of church. Got it. And like, again, it was like, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I remember people telling me like, Oh, Jesus Christ died for you, for your sins and this and that. And I, I, I used to, like I used to tell people, like, yeah, I didn't ask him to die for me. Like, right. like I don't care. 
because people be like, oh, Jesus died for your sins. And I'm like, I didn't ask him. Like, mm -hmm. who cares? Right. Like, there's no there's no connection with any of what you're saying. And, and I, I totally experienced that, you know, like, oh, this verse and, and God says this. And, and I was just angry. I was just yeah. angry at the world. So whatever, whatever word of love they try to tell me, I would be like, I don't understand love because all I have is anger, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So again, it was like, you know, hearing those things the first time, and, uh, you know, Sergio brought up his name earlier was, you know, Bob Coy. Yeah. And then, you know, being able to hear a preacher like that and be like, you know, whoa, like, I just understood what he said. It was clear. I love this, yeah. this whole yeah. service. And yeah. I was like, huh. So, you know, going back and, and telling Pam, yeah, I just randomly just went to church. And she was like super excited. <laughs> and I was so just like, cool. where did you go? Calvary? She was like, I know Calvary Chapel. Da, da, da. So. <laughs> It was just a connection all the way around. And then, um, you know, from there, it was it was it was the light bulb, you know, okay, now I'm hearing these things, but now I understand how to apply it. Okay. Now I understand how it relates to me. Now I understand how I can now take this, you know, and, and, and actually it applies to me. This ain't just written 2000 years ago. Right. It, it it's for me today. So. Um, the, the click, it just clicked. Like it really clicked for me. And then what was the experience of God in Winwood that made you say, oh, wow, he's real. And, and Yeah, this. like I was explaining before, the, the you know, the, the Calvary Chapel was just, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. <laughs> and that's that's what I got fed. So the word, again, and that, that's what made me more comfortable to be with him because his word was lining up. Mm. Cause my, my radars were up in that Bible study, <laughs> you know, like I, hear this I need cycle. to hear, I need to hear one little I need to hear the twist. Where is it at? That was the face that you were referring to. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. It was the antenna. Uh -huh. Where are they at? Where are they at? And you know, the, this is a cult. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, you know, hearing things of the spirit, of course yes. that's weird. Right. You know, because yeah. it, you hear those things as a foreign thing yeah. You, yeah. immediately. I don't know. It's for yeah. everybody universally. Probably not today because they're not, you know, they're not familiar with the character of Benny Hinn. But at the time, right. Benny Hinn was very popular. So you had immediately associated charismatic yeah. with Benny Hinn. Yeah. Oh, he's here to take my money. Here's yeah. it. And I didn't feel that way about him immediately. Yeah, but, but that's, that's the that, association. That's the fame that was, you know, around him right. from, the secular, the, from the secular perspective. Correct. And that was the association with it. And you go, okay, that's for them. Mm, yeah. You know, and then for us... Yes, the Holy Spirit lives within me, you know, but that's that's for me just to preach the word. And that's right. just, it's not OK, you know, healing. OK, you know, like <laughs> whatever. But, you know, being able to um, respect his position because his word was solid and then being able to um, it allowed for me to receive the spiritual things from him um, so I can understand, you know, the 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 third, you know, person in the Trinity. So I can understand yeah. what the Holy Spirit really was. And um, going into Wynwood and going like, you know, we were just, you know, they, like you mentioned before, like we were just teaching, he was just teaching about this stuff. And now we get to apply it. Um, so that and, was And then, and then was experiencing it, experiencing it was what, what really clicked for me, you know, because... Mm -hmm. I would read it 
and oh, you know, uh, these guys went to the upper room and then, you know, they were praying and they were all together and they were in one accord and then the Holy Spirit showed up and then tongues of fire and this and that. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of Harry Potter-ish type of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you go to yeah. Wingwood and it's like, <clears throat> and it's like, yo, what was that? And then you feel it and then, oh, healing and this and that. And I'm like, <gasps> like that stuff is real. Like, it's just like, was this a Harry Potter type of thing that happened just right now? And then you start having the conversation with God, like, mm-hmm. yo, like, is this for real? And he's like, you want to know more? And I'm like, sure. And then we start experiencing more and more and more. But we've been talking about this Winwood thing for a while. How did you end up in Winwood doing what you did? Well, I do want to mention something. By the way, I like Calvary Chapel. It's uh, oh, they were know, amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. I like it. I still oh, yeah. go there. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's just a very milky church. Just they only give milk, and you kind of don't really get to experience any gifts or move in the gifts and you know what to expect. You walk in, they're going to open up in prayer. It's praise, worship. And you know, so the word, the word there is very solid, very solid. It's very solid, but there's no experiencing the power of the Holy spirit. Right. When it comes to the gifts and, and then I'm going to tell you why. So I'm, I'm saying all of that to say this, a lot of, uh, the modern day churches, they're afraid to lose control. So imagine having, you know, three, four, five, ten thousand members, you allow the Holy Spirit to move, and it's like you're gonna lose control. So a lot of people they will say, Well, that's out of order. So what is the order of God? Think about it. Is God's order really praise, worship, announcements? You see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, ties and offerings, a nice song, goodbye. Is is that really? Church is that I think that when you get together with the body of believers, you allow the Holy Spirit to move. Jesus says, wait for the promise and acts. He says, wait for the promise. Ten days later, what happened? The Holy Spirit came. They were waiting. They didn't know what they were waiting for. And I believe that that's what church should be all about. You teach the word of God, I understand, but there has to be a time of worship and flowing, letting the Holy Spirit move. And if God speak to someone, go lay hands, go cast out a devil, go just move, you know. And when you go to the modern day church now, again, it's like going to a movie. You would call back then uh, that place, you call it a stage. I call it an altar. You see the difference? My altar, it's not a piece of wood or a platform. My altar is wherever I step. That is my altar. That That is, you see, the same way you see me here is the same way you see me at home. Is the same way you see me preaching and at work. And I have that fear and that reverence of God. Now, <clears throat> what does Winwood? Why? How did that come about? It's interesting because I gave my life to Jesus 1997 and it was over a bet. Um, so this Puerto Rican friend of mine, his name is William Perez, uh, tall, white cheek, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, white face, blush, you know, cheeks. And uh, I remember he came and he said, hey, Serge, you want to go to church? And I looked at him like, are you crazy? Like, are you crazy? But wait a second. (laughs) At the time that he asked you that. Yeah. Who were you? So we have you guys haven't got deep in your business yet. So we're not going to talk about that yet. So that might be the next episode. So I'm going to be superficial. (laughs) So. 
He says, you want to go to church? And I told him, are you crazy? And then my friend Nelson was there and he was looking at me. And at the time, I, I forgot, I had a couple of thousand dollars in my pocket, a 24 for boat, beautiful car, uh, had three girlfriends. They all three knew each other and I would be with all three. I was just so promiscuous. Like there, there was no rules in my life. You know, as a Cuban, you grow up and the first thing your parents will ask you, your mom and dad, how many girlfriends you have? Uh, three. Yeah. They get excited. I'm like, okay, that, that, that works for me. You know? So that's the way I grew up. So at that moment I was 24 years old and my friend William comes to me and he goes, you want to go to church? And I really looked at him like it was so disrespectful for him to be in my house and to ask me to go to church. So I turned around and I said, nah. And then I was going in my door and I said, man, before I walk into my house, I feel so bad for him. He's so brainwashed, little Christian boy. I want to take him into my world. I lived in the strip clubs, by the way. <laughs> Love strip club. I was even a stripper at one point, working in a, in a woman's strip club. And in a male, you know, strip club. But anyways, um, the long story short, I turned around and I said, hey, William, I'm a, I'll go with you to church. And he looked at me like, what? And I said, you got to come with me to a, a strip club. <laughs> yeah, go you got to come church. to my world. <laughs> you got to come with me to a strip club on Friday. So um, he said, nah. And I said, that's what I thought. And he said, you know what? I'll go. He knew I was a man of my word. Nelson looked at me. Your word is your bond. Of course, that doesn't exist anymore. You shake hands with someone and they don't follow up with their words. But my word was my bond. So I remember I took him to the strip club. And bro, back then, I don't know, I don't know lap dance now. But back then, 1997, um, it was, no, that was 1990. Yeah, 97. Um, I just started throwing $10. $10 and sending strippers to him and just watching his eyes and you know his hands and I'm like yes I got him he's in my world you know and uh, came Sunday I had to go to church <laughs> now I want you to imagine this I'm with a tank top on wife beater that's what we call it the white tank top you know I'm sure Mike is very familiar yeah. with those so I got my wife beater on and I have these Cuban links big chains uh, have St. Lazarus and uh, the Virgin Mary. I have a, a, a big Indian ring, Cuban. And then I had, I don't know, I forgot how many diamonds, a bunch of diamonds. And so anyways, <laughs> he picks me up to go to church. <laughs> the first thing I do is he's listening to his Christian music. I'm like, nah, dog. <laughs> and, then, and I change it and I put Power 96, you know, back then that yeah. was the power. And, then, <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, bro, you're weird. I'm not going to listen to that. So anyways, go to church. And I said, well, I got to do my part now. So I put my feet on the, uh, 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 on the chair and, and this was a, a church in downtown Miami. The pastor's name was Keith Blakely. And I'm here listening to this pastor speak and I'm, and, 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 I'm folding my hands. I'm all the way to the back. And, and I remember hearing where he said that there's the God's creation and there's God's children. And he goes, the only way to go to heaven is becoming a child of God. And if you don't trust in Jesus, you're going to hell. And I said a bad word in Spanish, you know, and I said, whoa, I said a bad word. People were turning around and I'm like, I didn't know that. Listen, I really did not know 
at age 24 that Jesus rose from the dead. I didn't. Again, my parents were that the the, the Catholic family so that you, would go. You, you've never heard any of never, that at that point. Never at all. I just knew that he died on the cross because every time I would leave my house, I'll see this dead Jesus, yeah. you know, on the cross. And, you know, and the only thing I knew about him was that my mom would tell me every time I would do something bad. It's like, Dios te va a castigar. Dios te va a castigar. He's going to spank you. If you. That's all I knew. So every time I would do things bad, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God is going to whoop me. So I'm sitting there. I'm hearing that message that freaked me out. I had a 40 caliber Glock on me. I carried guns on me. At it was like church? at church. It was it was like my skin. It was part of my skin. I always carried a gun with me. And I remember coming to the front of the altar. It was like, you know, if you want to trust in Jesus. Bro, I was ready, ready to walk on my knees. I was ready to do anything just to tell this Jesus to come into my heart. So I go to the front and he, and he smiles and I'm like, Okay, why is he smiling? This moment is like real serious, you know? And he goes, you ready to trust in Jesus? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need? He goes, repeat this prayer. Repeat the prayer. And he goes, that's it. How do you feel? I promise you. In my mind, I saw me pull out my gun and shooting him right in the head. And I almost did it. Wow. You, I was so what, upset. What, what did you feel? Like, did you feel set up? I was, I felt set up. I felt enraged. I felt like I had to do something. I didn't understand mm. the grace of God at that moment. Wow. But, you know, that's why it's so important to pray for pastors, man. At that moment, I could have been influenced or possessed by a demon and done damage. Keith Blakely, um, his daughter, fast forwarding, was dating a young man that was going to, uh, he came out of jail and they were dating. It came out in the news and everything. This was a pastor in downtown Miami. Um, he came out of jail and he told Keith Blakely, the pastor opened the door. Where's your daughter? He says, leave my daughter alone. Boom. Shot him in the chest oh, wow. and killed him. Wow. Uh, his, his daughter ran out of the window. And I remember, um, because my life is was very extreme. I mean, I've seen murders, many murders. And so when I saw that on, on the news, I see a helicopter and then I see Keith Blakely. I'm like, that's my pastor, oh, you wow. know? So the long story short, um, that's where my journey started. I gave my heart to Jesus in a Baptist church and fast forwarding. And then later on, we'll get a little more detailed Fast forwarding, six years later, I'm worshiping um, uh, almost a co-pastor at a church, uh, you know, the, the nice shirt, suit, tie. And God says, I remember worshiping. God says, I need you to go back to the neighborhood where I took you out of. And I looked to the wow. side and I said, no, he ain't talking to me. You're talking to him. <laughs> and I kept worshiping. And this is where I was heartbroken. After I knew that God spoke to me. Um. And then I'll get into a little more detail later. I remember telling my ex-wife at the time, and she was upset. She said, they're going to kill the children. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill me because of what I did in my past. Okay. Um, she knew that our life was at risk. But I was so convinced without a shadow of doubt, without a shadow of doubt, that God called me back. But so, let me ask you something. Like at the time that that happened, yeah, 
you he, you hear the voice of God telling you yeah. that where you like how 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 long have you been like digging into God and six know, years six years yeah that's what I said earlier it was and, six years and where you're serving in that church serving and stuff. I knew the Christian lingo oh, okay. I knew how to dress I knew how to talk I knew the Bible I studied I never experienced God you know wow I, I did have my encounter Because from that moment that I gave my life to Jesus, I, I couldn't do the things that I used to do. It, th that's That was my next question because yeah. Mike, Mike experienced that when he was saying, yeah. hey, that was, that was the old life and now this is the new yes. one. I, I really didn't feel that until right. probably like, like two years in uh, right. of, of what we were talking about. Like I'm, I'm in... I mean, Winwood, I'm experiencing all this stuff. Right. And I never felt like, oh, this is the old me and this is the new me. I was always like, man, I have a, a, a foot in the world and I have a foot in church. Right. I have a foot in the world, I have a foot in church. And then that was my life for 16 years. But when I had that experience with God, I was right. like, all right, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. So I'm going to yeah. put my two feet on this side and I'm just going to follow you. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we were talking about Christianity. And look, look how different our experiences are. But I see Christianity today as, as two, two things. People believe in Christ and then people that follow Christ. Correct. And when you take that step, then you start encountering uh, persecution. You start encountering difficulties. And that's 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 where it becomes real right because i remember experiencing <clears throat> my life in the streets uh like i said i come from colombia and i come from all that drug you know stuff that you see on tv today and when you would be in a gang or when you were going to be part of a gang they would always make you prove your loyalty to of it of course And when you become part of this gang of God, at one point you have to prove your loyalty to right. him. Of course. And people Little trials and tribulations. And people don't want to talk about those things. People right. talk about, oh, God is love, God is in God is love, and God is great. But you find scriptures that say God is a warrior. Right. <laughs> and God is the God of war. And you don't want to talk about those because you know, hey, God is the God of love. Yeah, but am I just good? No. When I get mad, I get mad. Right. And we are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. So if he has feelings, we have feelings. Yeah. We like our feelings because we understand them. But the level of God's feelings are, you know, when he's mad, mm -hmm. his, his wrath is like, whoa. Right. So nobody likes that side of God, but that side of God exists. Yeah. And at one point in our walk with, with, with Christ, we have to prove our loyalty to him. And there's right. tests and there's these trials that come to actually show you if you're in or not, or how, how, how much are you in with him right. or not. That's why I can't wait to go deep in your business yeah. so we can talk about yeah. your trial. That's, that's But let's go point. back to what I was saying before I lose my chain of thought. So after I spoke to my ex-wife, um, she was upset. Okay. 
And uh, I remember speaking in tongues and worshiping, and she grabs her high heels, and she starts knocking me in the head. Bam, bam, bam. Where was that? I'm not going back. No, this was at home. I am not going back to that neighborhood. When was very dangerous. Like, if you really look back, it, it was dangerous. Not only that, I had a contract out of my life. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to get in deep. But they wanted to kill me in that place. A lot of people. So now God is telling me, go back. So now I'm going to go tell my pastor. And this was my third church. So I went to a Baptist church. Keith Blakely passed away. I went to a Baptist church that it was called, uh, in Spanish, Primera Iglesia Bautista. Avivada por el Espíritu Santo. Revived by the Holy Spirit. Why? It was a Baptist church. His wife uh, broke her back. She could not walk. Her husband was preaching a sermon one day. And she said, bring me, bring me. No, you're going to get her. Bring me to church. She was laying, uh, laying down, listening to the preaching. And she felt God heal her. Wow. She got up. And she walked to the front. Her husband freaked out. So, so much for being Baptist. Now they're Baptist revived <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. That place was spirit-filled. So I went from that because I, I experienced the power of God. Then I'm going to an apostolic church. So I went to my pastor in this apostolic church. And I said, God is calling me to the streets. He said, if you leave this church, you leave the covering. And I'm like, huh? So I leave the body of Christ? <laughs> you know, it's funny. <clears throat> But he made me cry, man. He didn't give me a hug. He didn't receive me. He goes, no, I'm not going to send you out. I go, but God spoke to me, you know, six years in the Lord. I know the voice of God. I would never want to do that. And he goes, if you leave, you're going to leave the covering and you're going to see what's going to happen. And that's exactly what I did. I cried. It hurt me so much. That was my first church hurt, you know. And uh, I went to Winwood, and I remember pastors would call me, get out of there. I see blood. I see blood. Oh, and I wow. tell them, the only blood you see is the blood of Jesus. I would tell them like that. Wow. I'm going to preach this word. And if I'm going to be a martyr, I'm going to be a martyr. But nobody's going to stop me from preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. I was ready to give my life to Jesus. So I'm curious, like, what was the first day? Like, so, what was the... Like the day, here the day we go. That, the day that he decided, yeah. okay, I'm gonna move oh, back. Then, all right, <laughs> and then what did you do? Like, here you go. This is what we're doing. So I moved back to Winwood, um, and there was a, a young man. His name was Danny, and I started praying for him. So I just started praying for this one young man. Um, he was selling drugs. He was in the streets, and I was praying, praying, praying. And one day I came up to him and I go, "Hey, what's up, bro? Uh, you do rap music?" He goes. Yeah, why? I said, man, I got a studio. What's up? Let's do something. I'm going to make a deal with you. You use my studio, but you only can do Christian music, but you have to come to my Bible study. He's like, no, no problem. So he brought his friend and that's how we did the exchange. So I set up uh, uh, two speakers and there was four chairs and it was him. He brought his friend and his friend brought his girlfriend. Eventually, Danny... Uh, got saved. He brought his mother, his grandmother, his brothers, uh, his entire family started coming. 
And we started seeing just the glory of God like never before. So look how funny. You you set up your friend to go to the strip club. Yeah. And then you end up setting them, yeah. setting them up to, yep. to come to church. Yep. That's so cool. Though. So then Danny starts coming and this guy named Macho. Like if you see him, this guy's at least 260 pounds, pure muscle, his dreadlocks from his head all the way there. You know, all these crazy guys coming. But I'm teaching them the word of God. I'm saying, listen, there's five offices, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Now, those are offices, not to say you all have offices, but you got to see what God has called you to do. And there's gifts. There's gift of prophecy. You got gifts of healing, uh, miracles. You have a gift of tongues, translating tongues. And all of this is essential, is important, because when we go out there, you have to understand the spiritual realm. So I would teach the word of God. And when I'm done teaching, I go, now that I preach, I want to see the manifestation. And after I preach, I would call people to come to the front. And it's so beautiful how the Miami Herald came out one day and I have the newspaper clipping and they documented a healing. Like I literally said, come, God is saying he wants to heal. And they, they seen the power of God. And this was over and over and over again. And when you guys came, that that's when uh, you started seeing the move of the spirit. There was something about that lot. When you're obedient to God and you're in the place where God has called you to be, he pours out his spirit like never before. It was just so crazy because I remember I remember they built uh, like a parking lot in, in, in the grass where we used to do the service. So I remember when I when I saw the the concrete on it, it was like, like it was hard for me to like see that though. Like I remember yeah. parking yeah. my car in that parking lot, and I'm like, yeah. man, this is the grass where we used to like feel God coming. Like yeah. I'm here, and it's like, man, it's a parking lot, and like yeah. that stuff is not gonna happen anymore. It was so hard for me to like see that though, and to see what the neighborhood is now. I mean, it's great that, that Wynwood is, is so different now, but there's so much nostalgia for me because that's where I really, th those were my first <clears throat> steps where I actually experienced God. So it's hard for me to see how different the place is now and that God is not in it like, yeah. like it used to. Amen. So six years, uh, so six years I'm married and uh, I'm here uh, preaching the word of God. And, and, and man, it's just so crazy, man. It was just so beautiful, beautiful, man. Just seeing God's presence and how when I will begin to preach, it's just quiet. There's reverence. It's like every word will come out of my mouth. The people will eat it. Literally, the heroin addicts, the, the, the crackheads, you know, like the homeless, dirty, smelly. To me, they were all beautiful people. God didn't allow me to see a homeless. He didn't allow me to see a crackhead. He's, he allowed me to see a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, drug dealers, man. And even the people that wanted to kill me, you know, they would drive by. And this was just something that was just so beautiful. I was literally ready to give up my life. And I remember um, six years into the ministry, uh, my ex-wife just said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, huh? We got three little kids. A bunch of people are coming. 
receiving the gospel. We're seeing healing. We're seeing deliverance. And she goes, I want a divorce. And I'm going to leave it right there because you guys didn't get in deep. But I believe next episode, we can start really digging into our personal lives. You know, um, I think that people really need to hear Alvaro um, where you're at right now. So in this first episode, they, they kind of get to know you. But in this next episode, man, I want us to really dig in deep, deep, deep. So this can be like really impactful in people's lives. And it's important. We, we spoke about our lives and how we got saved and, and about our wives, our girlfriends, our, our careers. But I think it's so important to get really, really, really deep into our business before we can interview anyone and get deep in their business. Yeah, definitely. That's the whole point. That's the whole point, not just of the podcast, but to, to let our testimonies speak of what God has done in our lives. And the testimony is not just when you, when you give your life to God, your testimony is everything that you live on a daily basis with God. Of course. And uh, a lot of the testimonies are not just, Oh, God healed me or God did this or God did that. Yes. Which is what most people are used to hearing testimonies. But, um, but a lot of testimonies are, Hey, I'm going to through a really hard time. I'm going through a struggle. Hey, my family's going to get killed because we're preaching the gospel. Hey, I am going through, uh, my finances are like zero right now. Oh, but aren't you a son of God? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the bank is like full all the time. And those right. are the, the trials and tribulations. Those are the tests that that I was talking about. Yeah. That a lot of times we have to go through in order to prove to God that we are part of this gang. Yeah. And like you said, at one point, you have to be ready to give your life. Yeah. If it's going to cost you your life, of course. then are you ready or not? And... uh I don't think we all get there overnight. Oh, no. but I'm one, not there yet. But at one point, <laughs> yeah. we get yeah. to that place where yeah. we say, you know what? If they kill me, this is who I really am. And yeah. I can't I can deny it. Right. And I think that here, here in the U.S., we're very comfortable because we have a lot of freedoms. But there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of countries where there's no freedom whatsoever, where there is persecution big time of course when you say that you're a christian uh nowadays we hear about the church in china but there are people there are christians being killed left and right and and being martyrs all over the world right and and not a lot of people know that and i think that at one point we're gonna get that here as well and we each and every person has to get to that place of hey am i ready to die like he died for me yeah or, or do I sell out and, yeah. and, I, and I just quit? And I think that that's what deep in your business is going to be all about. I'm going to be asking some direct questions. I know that we're three hosts, and I like that because we get three different points of views. You know, I'm a straight shooter. And I think that one of the goals in getting deep in the business is not sugarcoating anything I don't want to see people from the front, you know, the, what they put on Facebook or 
what you see on television. I want to see what happens behind the scenes. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. There are people that are struggling out there, man. There are leaders right now that are probably listening to this that are committing adultery and they're scared of getting caught. Not because their wives are going to get upset, not because God is watching them and he's upset, but that they're, they're going to lose their position. Yeah. You know, so but everything in darkness, it, it's going to come to light. So it's conversations like this that, man, will bring the fear of God upon them and say, you know what, man, this God thing is real and I need to repent. So I believe the people that we interview it's really getting to the point, finding out their struggles, what's going on behind the veil. The salvation is important. Um, how they grew up in the Lord and how much Bible they know, that's important. But that's all that we hear on the radio. That's all that we see on the television. Getting deep, I mean, deep, deep, deep into someone's life and pulling out those skeletons. I believe that's the heart of this show. And I really Amen. am super excited Amen. to be with you guys. We've done ministry for so long. Mm -hmm. Now, when people watch this podcast, they're kind of, they're going to see like, wow, how God just orchestrated everything in this one little lot, you know, to be glorified, to be exalted. And now we have this show that is just going to be so beautiful that people are going to hear all around the globe. Amen. Praise yeah. God. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Our next podcast is going to be super exciting, guys. We're going to get really, really, really deep in our business. We're going to start with Mike. I mean, Mike has a powerful testimony. We're going to get deep in Alvaro's business, and then we're going to get deep in my business. And again, we're going to do that just because before we can get deep in anybody's business, we first got to get deep in our business. God bless. Testimony.